Superbrain is a labour of love. Alas, no podcast can survive on love alone. We don't have a sponsor, so we need your support for Superbrain to stay alive and kicking. You can make a one-off donation by following the Support This Show link in the show or episode description. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Superbrain, the podcast for everyone with a brain. My name is Sabina Brennan and this week's Superbrain Booster Shot is a little different to normal. On Monday, I spoke to Colm about very serious issues surrounding abuse, both online in his work and in person as a child. Colm is also an amazing cook and ever thinking of others, he decided to cook and post a recipe a day as a way to help people stay connected through spring lockdown. Now, I want to talk to you about your cooking because you have... Through lockdown, you just, well, people, people have said, you know, what your pictures are, are food porn. I mean, you are the most amazing cook, chef, whatever. But what I'm interested in, I mean, I watched you for people listening. Cullum was actually on Celebrity MasterChef. Colin was one of the contestants and, and incredibly competitive and, and did very well. Did you get to the last four or something? I got to the, yeah, I got to the last four on it, yeah. yeah. And you also, I have to tell you, introduced me to Celeriac. I had never come across that before. And um, I do cook with it now it's and make lovely Celeriac. Yeah. yeah, I make Celeriac chips. And so it's, you know, they, they're really super tasty, but not yeah. half as bad as potatoes. A really ugly vegetable that is so underrated. You know, it's so delicious inside but is cooking your joy is it your meditation is it it's one of them yeah so i mean for me cooking first of all it's a it's a lovely kind of creative outlet right it's a place to lose yourself and i'm very lucky in that i grew up with a love of food my mum was really into food you know i can remember at a time when coleslaw was exotic in ireland in the the 1970s you know she was making hummus at home you know so which was wild wow you know, we lived on a, on a farm until I was 11, you know, and raised dairy cows and sheep and cattle and pigs. And, and she was vegetarian. So we were eating vegetarian foods, you know, three or four days a week in the 1970s. And the first time I ever cooked a meal, I think I was about 10 when I cooked my first meal for the whole family. So like we always cooked, we were always involved in the kitchen and mum ah. was really, really into food. So it was it was always there. And I've always enjoyed it. I thought it, it was and, a later thing. I'm interested no. that that. So you I mean, all, it, always, it was, always had it. It, it, was, it was always there to some extent, yeah. And, and also, I think that preparing a meal for somebody and putting it in front of them is an act of love, mm. you know? Um, it's like if you're, you're literally providing sustenance and nourishment, you're nurturing people. Like, it's a joy. I just think it's a, just an extraordinary privilege to be in a position where you can take some time out to make something to somebody that's going to give them joy and going to feed them on every level and to watch them took into it and enjoy it. That's the best thing ever. And it's not about them saying you're fabulous. That's a great meal or whatever else. Like that's grand. I'm not, that's nice. Right. But actually for me, the joy is on seeing somebody go, "Mm, 
this is perfect. This because you can see yeah. it's feeding something deep in you somebody. You can see at that it. Time. Yeah, so yeah. That's what I love. That's the kick for me, right? And then absolutely, yeah. it is the creative piece. And I suppose what MasterChef taught me was that. I get frustrated by the presentation of cookery and, and of, of baking of any kind of food preparation as alchemy, right? As something mysterious and extraordinary and magical. It's not, yeah. right? It, it's like you apply certain treatments to certain ingredients and they're going to behave in a particular way. And as you begin to understand that, you allow yourself to experiment more and to think about it and you get a bit of an instinct for it and you can play with it. But we mystify food for people and particularly through the creation of kind of celebrity chefs. And by the way, I mean, you know, I want to say that like Michelin star food is extraordinary and the artistry and professionalism of chefs is something I hugely respect. And I mean, I cook. I'm not a chef. I cook. I'm a very good cook, but I cook and I'm a, a very creative cook, but I'm a cook. When I see what Michelin star chefs can do, I mean, there's an artistry there that takes years and often decades to to achieve and I really admire it but what I learned in MasterChef is that that's available to you if you apply yourself that one of the judges on MasterChef and I was on it was Daniel Clifford who's a two Michelin star chef in the UK an amazing guy and he introduced me to some recipes and he said come at this piece by piece just break it down just think about what you're trying to achieve when you do this thing to this ingredient and come at it and then you know if it looks like something that you're going to spend 48 hours making a dessert because of the various things you need to do to it are you invested enough to give it the time? And if you are, don't be daunted by it. Just go for it. So he really right. simplified food for me. And now if I think of an idea, I'll just want to go for it. So that's where the creativity right. piece comes in for it. And then I suppose with the whole Corona cooking thing during the lockdown, we closed the office on the 16th of March and thought it might be for four to six weeks. And I came away I and know. you know, was looking at people trying to work out what to do. And I thought, well, what can we do to support or help each other in all of this? Is there a little thing I could do each day that might give people something to look forward to or some focus? So as is often the case with me, I, I immediately spewed it out on Twitter and I said, I'm going to post a <laughs> recipe every day during lockdown and it'll be Corona cooking and let's see what happens. And I did for about three and a half months. I think it was about 110 yeah. recipes at the end. Every day. And I was working from home. So every day I'd finish work, go for a run on the beach. And very often wow. then I'd be coming home thinking, what am I going to cook? And I'd have to invent a recipe each day and get it up. And I did. Yeah. But it was both yeah. a wonderful, lovely distraction for me from everything that was happening, yeah. you know, from the mundaneness of trying to manage work through the restrictions, through the lockdown. But it also was just the most phenomenal way to replace connection. Because the other thing yes. that food does is it really connects us with each other. Like we all need it. We all love it to varying degrees. We all have an experience of it. And actually sharing recipes and sharing pictures and enjoying the nourishment even that people can get from a recipe being shared or from an image of food being shared, there were really interesting connections that happened there. So one example would be I posted a recipe for cardamom um, and pistachio buns. So, you know, Scandinavian <laughs> fortified dough buns. So I posted those one day and I got a message from a woman living in upstate Washington who was from, I think, Arkansas originally, whose Swedish grandmother made amazing cardamom bread, but she'd never met her. But all the time when she'd grown up, she heard about her grandmother's amazing cardamom bread, but she'd never been able to make it. And when she saw the recipe and it was broken down in the way that she did, she made it. And her kitchen filled with the smell of cardamom buns. And it was just a really joyful moment from her. And for me... That's everything that food and cookery and cookery writing is about. The fact that I'm here in rural Wexford in Ireland in the middle of a global pandemic. She's in lockdown somewhere in upstate Washington, thinking about her Swedish grandmother who died before she grew up in Arkansas 
and cardamom buns. And now here are these three people connected yeah. across the world in this way and across generations, dead and alive in this moment around a cardamom bun. And that's what yeah. food can do. So for me, that's the joy yeah. of it. That's what it's all about for yeah. me. That's what I love about it. Yeah. And you know what? I'm kind of jealous when I hear you. I don't cook a lot, but I do get that joy that you do. You know, if I, I kind of like to make stuff up as I go along. It was yeah. the same with the kids. I'd open the fridge. Yeah. What's there? What's in the press? And I kind of I know nothing about it, but throw things together. And yeah. we have some family dishes that have survived the successes, yeah. you know, and they kind of go, we just make that again. And, and my husband now makes that all the time. And, you know, it was just one day. That's all there was. And, and yeah. so I enjoy that. I get that. But it's so funny when I hear you talking then about your mom and I am jealous in in that regard. Yeah, mealtimes were horrible in our house. My mother did not like cooking and I probably wasn't a very good eater. I was always told that I was a fussy eater, and but I would be made sit. I still, like I, and sometimes I wish my appetite was as bad as it used to be, but food was not very pleasant. But I, I, I mean, I can still remember sitting in front of stew as the fat would congeal on the top of the stew. The white bits would come together in circles and link. And I used to pray for the phone to ring while it was there so that I could actually. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Turf it in the bin, or I had a brother who would eat anything, you know, and you could kind of. I, I can remember sitting at the kitchen table in, in Adamstown, this little village I lived in until I was 11, and not being allowed to leave the table until I finished my dinner. I mean, I can remember that yes. too. But yeah, actually, yeah. food Which food is a really was, bad thing to do yeah, to was, kids was, because it's... Oh, yeah. And I mean, I remember when our son, Sean, when Sean came along, his mom was fairly susceptible to that game that children will play. Yeah. I think food becomes a bit of a power thing for children when they're yes. testing their, their... Even as babies. And and, yeah. and Sean would really test that line with her. I remember he'd, he'd kind of like refuse food. And then if she got him to eat it, even as a baby, he'd throw it up. And it had all right. become very alarming and all the rest of it. So when I had him at weekends, he'd he'd do the same thing. And every time that he did it, I wouldn't respond or react particularly. I'd just clean him up and sort him out and I'd sit him down and get uncomfortable and then I'd keep feeding. And I didn't allow it to become a contest thing. And actually, we're very lucky in that both of them are, are we're not lucky, it's how it happened. Both of them have really healthy relationships with food and are, have always been really adventurous and, and, and really open to food, you know. That's down to you, you know, I mean, I mean, I often use that term, we're lucky, but I don't really believe in luck, you know, I mean, things happen because of certain behaviours. Yes, we can be fortunate in certain aspects, but something like that when it's to do with parenting, because you've been fully parenting um, both of your kids for their mum passed away rather sadly. How many yeah. years ago is it now? Um, 14 years ago, and they'd both been with us at that stage. Sean had been with us for three years when she died and Sophia had been with us for two. Right, so, yes, because she was very unwell, wasn't yeah, she? Yeah. Very, yeah, very, but, very sad. But yeah. you've done a wonderful job with them. And to have a good relationship with food is quite an achievement because you are right. It's one of the challenging issues 
with kids. But I, I do miss that. My mother did not have a, I, well, I suppose she kind of wasn't that nurturing sort of person anyway, you know, so food wasn't. But that's why I think that we, we need to, that's why I really worry about the attitude that we have towards food these days. So first of all, people aren't taught how to cook. Yeah. Increasingly, people aren't taught how to appreciate or how to cook or how to be creative around food or they don't even necessarily understand it. It becomes... Like, I think for me very often, and I, I get that for different people, they have different, and I know people for, for whom food is simply fuel and they can't get excited about it. So I know that that happens for people and that's real. But I think for an awful lot of people, they're not taught to be confident around how they'll engage. Like, they don't know how to cook. They've never been taught how to. It's it's like there's ready meals and there's this and there's that. And yeah. and then at the other extreme, so there's, there's either like the immediate and the accessible and who has time to cook because you're not taught how to cook. And by the way, it's as easy to turn out a really nutritious, beautiful meal as it is to throw a, a ready meal in the oven. It's easier to grill a piece of fish than it is to take the top off a thing and throw it in the oven and to do some nice vegetables on yeah. the side of it, right? Our equivalent of a quick dinner is fish on the pan and broccoli and, and green beans or something. You know, that's that's a 10 minute dinner, you know. So here's my kind of 10 minute to cook and like 30 minute meal. So a couple of fillets of skinless salmon, take the skin off it if you don't have it, throw it in a pan, put a little bit of olive oil in it, cut up some asparagus spears, some cherry tomatoes and some uh, red peppers into small pieces. Toss them in olive oil and salt and pepper, scatter them around it. Put a little bit of pesto on the salmon. Bake it at 180 degrees for about 15 minutes. Take it out. Oh, lemon juice as well. Sorry, put lemon juice over all of it. Take it out, put it on a plate, put a little bit more pesto on the salmon and grate some Parmesan over the top of it. It'll take you less than 10 minutes to put together, 15 minutes to cook, and you won't believe the meal you have. And it's easier than any ready meal you'll ever get. But we're not taught to think about food like that. We're either taught that the the most we're capable of is a ready meal or, or grilling a steak, and half the time, people don't even feel confident about grilling a steak. And shows like MasterChef and Bake Off, I think, are in part responsible for this. What's out there, what could be done is unachievable because it's incredibly difficult and complex yeah. when it isn't. So people are very disempowered around food. And if I was starting my life over again in some ways, I think my mission would be to kind of take that one on, actually. And just to really encourage people to get excited about and to engage with food as both a creative opportunity, but as something that's critical to their well-being, to their health, to their emotional and, and family health as much as anything else, right? Because it's it's something that can really bring people together. Yeah, and I think you're doing that anyway, and people see that, and whether it's on Twitter, etc. And I know that there will be a book. I know there will, and there will probably ultimately be a show be. at some point. I, like, there will be. I know There's there will. There's definitely going to be a book. There are, there are two publishers yeah. who are talking to me about a book, so I just need to get my act oh, together brilliant. and talk to them. Yeah, and you know what? It's so funny. I I have some recipes. My next book coming out is about beating brain fog and, you know, how you eat and what you eat is is, yeah. is important for your brain. But actually one of my recipes, and it's one of my favorite recipes, is actually salmon as well. Yeah. I actually use coconut oil on, on the base, put it on. But okay. what I do is I use a layer of pesto, but um, I mix pesto with almond flour put that on top and then put a layer of parmesan cheese and you put it in and it's in the oven for like 12 minutes oh it's a crispy crumb on top and it's delicious and if you don't like fish we have one son who you know they don't live with us anymore but he didn't like fish so i would just do a chicken version for him you just put the same crust on the top and it is so so simple to make that it's unbelievable um you've done incredible you know in boosting people around food 
Food is fuel and it is important brain fuel. But as Colm alluded to, it is much, much more than that. Obviously, our enjoyment of food is linked to things like taste and appearance, but our enjoyment is also influenced by whether we eat alone or in company. Unfortunately, eating alone is linked to malnutrition, which is really, really bad for your brain and your body as it will lack the energy and nutrients to function properly. Now, we often associate malnutrition with poverty, but my own research amongst older adults living alone who were respectively well off showed that about 25% of them were malnourished, not because they hadn't got the money to buy food, but living alone, they lacked the motivation and they also lacked the skills to cook. Consuming insufficient energy from food and drinks is just one route to malnourishment. It can also come from consuming the wrong kinds of food and also from consuming too many calories but too few nutrients. People enjoy food more when they share a mealtime. Of course, during lockdown, that has become increasingly difficult, if not downright impossible. During my talks for corporate clients, I'm advising them to create virtual staff canteens where employees can simulate a shared lunch break and so benefit from the social aspects of eating and also be more motivated to bring something nice to the table and the computer for their virtual canteen. Similarly, I would encourage people to consider virtual catch-ups with friends over food. It might encourage you to make more of an effort and give conscious consideration to the food that you are eating. Food is critical for brain health, but the food that you eat also influences your gut health, which in turn can influence your mental health. There is a very strong relationship between the nature of the microbiota in your gut and depression. When it comes to brain health, a Mediterranean diet full of colourful veg, oily fish, nuts and olive oil as the main source of fat is your best bet. Since recording this episode, I am delighted to say that Colm has announced that he will be writing a regular food column for the Irish Examiner. I'll include a link to Colm's food blog and social media accounts so that you can drool over his amazing creations and have a go at making some of them yourselves. Can you believe that we are almost at the end of season two of Super Brain? Thank you all so much for supporting the show. My guest next week, which is the final week of season two, is the lovely, lovely Patrick Frayne. We talk about his new book, So Let's Do Your Stupid Idea, which is an emotional roller coaster of a memoir, which had me laughing out loud and also reflecting on my own life and my own mental health. My name is Sabina Brennan and you have been listening to Super Brain, the podcast for everyone with a brain. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.